welcome everybody to episode 10. Yes, we've made it. Our 10th episode of the Light Shed podcast, previously unnamed. So ten, this, since this is our like 10th anniversary, what do people, what is that? I know like silver is 25, gold is 50, I assume platinum 75, what's 10? Is it, I think it might be 10, but that doesn't sound too good. So we should probably just move on from well, All I know is the, the fact that we've done this, all I know is I sort of tie the number of episodes to how long we've been sitting in quarantine. And, you know, I think that- um, it, ha it has been a long time. Exactly, that's what it makes me realize. And by the, by the way, and now it's, it feels like we were sort of getting away from a lot of COVID chatter. Oh, God. Uh, the world seemed to, the news cycle had moved away from it. Um, we had started talking about it less during this uh, podcast. A little less. And, a little less. A little less. And now all of a sudden it's like full on chasing us again. Hence my background. I know no one, no one actually watches these. I don't think anymore since we started the podcast just two weeks ago. And thank you everyone for your subscriptions. There's been a surge of subscriptions. It's been very a surge to us. A, surge. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of surges going on There's right been a now. Surge in, in COVID. <laughs> but like even as a result, as a res and as a result, you you'll notice that Brandon's voice sounds much more sultry this week because he's finally agreed to wear a headset. Now we have other future, on a programming note, we do have other future changes coming. We've consulted some professionals in terms of getting better mics, equalizing. So just bear with us. If um, you're listening right now, we will have even better audio quality coming to you shortly. We're going to have those really cool mics where you could pull it down and talk into it with the big headsets like people do on radio. So just like could, Mike and I the could, Mad Dog? Yeah, I was going to say I could fulfill my Mike and the Mad Dog radio fantasy from when I was a kid. I, I really wanted to open this 10th anniversary episode with with the, you know, like, good afternoon, everybody. Well, as soon as we uh, get our load Mad balancing dog, in terms of audio, then, then that can, will can be I the just, moment. Can I just do that once? Will no, you guys agree no, People's it? ears will get blown out. Just wait until we have the load balancing on the audio. Okay. I guess I'll have to wait a while. Brandon, you know I, I ran. To. You know I ran the radio station in college. I mean, I was. I know. I, was, I know. I was on radio doing with that mic that you love oh, all geez. the time. I literally <laughs> lived with that mic. If anyone out there can get access to the, any of that, those those. You have a voice clips, for. You be... have a. You have a voice for radio, Rich. I have a face for TV. Oh my God! <laughs> let's... All right, let's move on. Let's start. Uh, let's kick it off with some slides of what we saw this week. Uh, first slide: Apple. WWDC. Uh, Walt, maybe you give your kind of thoughts on WWDC before we dive into the privacy issue that we're calling out here. Um, I mean, you know, not really that innovative, some software stuff. I mean, it's, it's certainly getting apps on um, different devices and basically moving everything towards iOS is, is certainly the right step for them to make. Look, the bigger thing is kind of the hardware changes, making the shift over to ARM-based chips away from Intel is, is certainly a big, a big change for the company, not unexpected. So stock actually did really well after WWDC. Who knows if that's just the market in general or um, it doesn't typically perform that well um, after WWDC. So now everyone's just anticipating going into this next um, device cycle on 5G and how much of an upgrade cycle we're going to say. But 
from our interesting stuff. But, but before we even get to IDFA, Rich, the one thing that was kind of buried um, at the end of WWDC and, and sort of a theme that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks was the integration between um, home and, and the Apple TV. And it just, this, this war we've been talking about for control of the, of the living room and some of the facial recognition stuff and uh, other integration that's gonna be a part of the Apple TV just beyond normal video watching and some gameplay and, uh, and, and some audio. Just, just wanted that to call that to people's attention as well, you watch this kind of Roku versus Google and I, Google has another device coming, um, which is something we also discussed last week. But the other thing is, Brandon, that they also sort of notable what Apple didn't talk about, right? I mean, Apple Music was basically not talked about at all. I mean, sort of in passing. Yep. Uh, Apple TV Plus, they showed a new trailer, but it wasn't like there's a new interface or new software, n no major changes to Apple TV Plus. And so, you know, to me, it was sort of like we've been waiting a long time for some sort of update on subscribers or users of those platforms, and we didn't get it uh, for either music or video. But the IDFA stuff, so the, the tweet is Apple just castrated the IDFA, sending an $80 billion industry into upheaval. And what they're basically talking about now is that every app that, you, that wants to have tracking has to actually actively ask you. So when you install an app that has tracking, in this case, it's the Palabout app, it goes, Palabout would like permission to track you across apps and websites owned by other companies. Your data will be used to deliver personalized ads to you and you have to either click allow tracking or ask app not to track. And so every single time it's going to be a proactive decision. And if you click don't allow, obviously the, the ability for companies like Google and Facebook to track you and yeah. therefore understand the, the success of their ads, meaning did you download an app after seeing an ad, all of that goes away. And so this feels like Good. a pretty big deal. Good. And by the way, this is, it, it's amazing. It took them this long to get to this point because this is their brand, right? Protecting privacy. This yep. is the brand that they're trying to build, doing a lot of this stuff on the device as opposed to in the cloud. So good, and it, it's probably too late. I'm not yeah. sure what, what took so long. And, and any way they can neuter the other tech giants a little bit makes sense, right? Which is ironic <laughs> because a lot, of the, a lot of the user interface changes are basically shifting over to what Windows Phone used to look like. You mean when actually or, anyone or, an, or, or, or Android. Even, yeah. even well, it's always been that way, right? Yeah. iOS is kind of copies Android like five years later. So, the, so they're copying <laughs> and so they're copying and following all these user interface things, which are great. But at the same time, obviously, going the complete opposite way on the privacy stuff. The question is, like, do consumers even care? Like, I, I get that this is on brand for Apple and saying, like, okay, we're not going to let the police hack into your phone and all this other stuff. And like, that's important. It should be important to people. I don't. I don't know if consumers care. care. I don't I know if consumers. I don't know if consumers really care, but I do know one thing. If they have to opt in to being tracked, they're probably not going to do that when, the, when that big thing pops up. Like, why would not. they? It's your choice. I, I'm going to say to myself on the margin, I'd rather not be tracked, yep. right? So that's going to be a headwind on mobile for for Google and Facebook and Twitter, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's almost no way to say it's not going to be. I know there's other ways to track. Well, the question I, is, I, sorry, Rich, hold on for one second. Yeah. But the question is, 
does it drive incremental share to Apple? Is it just obviously it's it reinforcing the no, loyalty no, of its but base, that's which a, is very high? I, I I honestly don't think it's gonna drive incremental share to Apple. I think it's more of a headwind, potential headwind to Google and Facebook than it is a tailwind uh, I mean, to the, Apple. I mean, the problem is like, you know, you mention a word, it feels like you say a word, I'm sure that's not the case, or you type a word onto your screen at one point, and all of a sudden you're getting ad load from Facebook and, and Instagram and, and, and my Yahoo mail and everywhere, like within seconds of, of saying something. The question is, Yes, everyone, well, the people that use an, uh, an iPhone, they also use other devices. So like, it, it's not like you're shutting down that privacy pipe completely. So will you ever notice, like is someone gonna go completely in some Apple ecosystem? Which is impossible, right? Because even on an Apple where, browser- where do, you do, where do you spend most of your time on mobile? On your phone, on your phone, right. But that, you're, that's you're right, but <laughs> you do spend other time elsewhere. So, so, okay, my point is, Brandon, so that's true. And you're spending all this time on your mobile phone. And you do notice that you're not getting all that creepy um, ad load connected to something you might have said out loud once, or on an, on you know typed into your computer, um, and you start telling your friends about that. That does that stuff they can resonate with the type of customer base that that they would want. I'm just going to play the devil's advocate for a second and go from the standpoint of if you start getting a lot worse ads and things that are very untargeted towards you. You know, you, Walt, you were complaining the other day about your Twitter ads but with no listicles, listicle yeah, ads showing up, and you were like, this is sort of low-quality <laughs> cr crap in my feed. Rich. You know, that's nope. the other side of this. Yes, that, that, that may be fine. You may be right, but I don't think most consumers are as sophisticated as we are and are going to put together the fact that they're not tracking you. Uh, with the quality of the ads that you're getting, and, and they're more likely you know way, and they're more likely going to get creeped out because they probably let's say I'm going to go to um, to Ireland, I'm going to fly on Aer Lingus or something like that. Like they're more likely to talk to whether you said it out loud or put it put it into your browser to get creeped out if they start getting ads from you know all these Irish airlines. You know, then they would if you're just getting a, a you know. A we just move on. <laughs> speaking of speaking of advertising, uh, on on mobile especially, uh, there's two big stories uh, in terms of brands this week. I mean, we saw a lot of brands last week start pulling ads from Facebook, North Face, and a lot of, you know, what I would call nichier brands. But this week, it sort of more, it, it more got real brands, Rich. Yeah, that thing, that's fair. Thank you for the word, Brandon. That's uh, beyond my normal uh, urban dictionary. Uh, um, but this week, Verizon decided they're going to stop spending on Facebook for the rest of the year. Uh, and then the real news was earlier today, Unilever announced that they were pulling their ads from Facebook domestically only. And, uh, you know, look, the headline of Unilever is a big deal because they're the second largest advertiser in the world. When you put this in context, though, I mean, if you think about it, Unilever spends two to $250 million a year on Facebook properties. 90% of that we think is outside the US. So you're talking 20-ish million dollars out of a $77 billion ad spend on Facebook last, or I think consensus for this year among analysts broadly is like $77 billion of revenue. And so it's sort of irrelevant, but you know the headline is obviously not good. And I think what people forget is just the, the long tail of, of advertisers is where Facebook makes all their money. Yes. So it's not, the, it's not the Unilevers, it's the, it's all these small businesses all around the world who don't really have choices. They can't redirect their ad spend from Facebook 
to YouTube or from Facebook to billboards or whatever. They don't have those choices. And so I, I think this is a concern. The market's obviously reacting to it. But I also worry that even if the top 100 advertisers pulled their ads from Facebook, would it actually matter? Um, it's obviously psychologically negative, but does it it's really all, matter? It's also just bad PR. <laughs> yeah. Bad PR for Facebook. So let's look at the opposite way from Verizon's standpoint. Again, with all due respect to Hans Vestberg, because I think he's been really up, uh, like out in the front um, with Corona and Black Lives Matter and connecting with her employee yep. base. So not to be too cynical, but like this is a great PR move for them. Yeah. Right? It's just a branding, a branding yep. move. Like, hey, we care about you, the consumer. We're making these types of, of changes to to back you up, because who who's really against them? And, and on the political spectrum, for pulling ads against Facebook, everyone seems to not like Facebook. So this is kind of an easy. PR move on Verizon standpoint. Again, I'm sure that there was genuine reasons behind it because I think Hans has done a good job about that, but hard not to see that connection as well. No, and, and that's probably why, Walt, you're probably going to see a lot more companies follow, right? I mean, Verizon did it yesterday. Now you've got Unilever. And my guess is once Unilever and Verizon have put kind of their gauntlet down, I mean, Rich, Verizon's a pretty it, big it, ad spender. It, it absolutely will matter. I, I go back to the whole brand safety issue on YouTube. <laughs> that moved numbers. Yep. It did move numbers. I mean, you know, it, yes, the long tail is still. It's just a, worth remembering that all the brands that pulled, everyone who pulled their ads from YouTube is now back advertising no, on that, YouTube. So. And, and that's fine. But again, headwind. Let's move Next. to favorite topic. One of my favorite topics on this podcast, which is <laughs> movie theaters. And we've got, you, some, Rich. <laughs> we've got some great video. This is literally Cinemark praising one of their employees for disinfecting theaters. You can oh, see him. This is where you have to actually watch the Zoom rather yeah, than listen podcasters. to the podcast because you're not getting. You can hear it, though. You can hear the spray. All right, yes. well, describe what's there's, going on, Brandon. There's, there's, spray, there's a man with a mask, um, and he's spraying down seats in a movie theater. Uh, I guess to disinfect them, um, and and unless it, he's buttering it, them to Walter, he could be buttering them. The, the, the Cinemark tweet says, "Thank you, Mark, at our West Plano, Texas theater, which, by the way, I believe is probably shut down today. That's true. Um, because there was a little rewind." Um, in the opening in Texas today for sanitizing our auditorium seats before each movie. We appreciate you, exclamation point. Those are nice seats. They are nice seats. But the team at Civic Science, who uh, the team at Lightshed, we love them. John Dick uh, leads their efforts over there. They ran a couple of surveys on our request that they've put up online. And we have a couple of the, the key statistics from that survey uh, up on the screen right now. And the, the two that matter, one was basically how soon from now would you be comfortable going to a movie theater? And they surveyed over 2000 people, literally 55% of respondents said it would take more than six months for them to want to go to a movie theater. Now that's obviously not a great number because you don't know how many of those people were frequent moviegoers. They ran another study or another question, which is how often do you go to the movies and would you be comfortable? And in that it's basically showed that 49% of what they call frequent moviegoers, people that see one or more movies a month would not feel comfortable going to a movie theater for at least another four months. And so I think that's really the key statistic is that half of frequent moviegoers don't want to go to the movies. And that's a huge problem for Hollywood. I'd say so. Indeed. 
<laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> which, which really leads us to, to the next slide, which is Warner Brothers, no shocker here, Warner Brothers has delayed Tenant. They had already moved it back two weeks. Now they're moving it another two weeks. So this has gone from moving literally from August 10th, sorry, from July 10th. We're now we're up to August 12th. What's going so on with Mulan, Rich? Mulan is still scheduled for July 17th. That's Disney's next major feature. They see, you know, they're the only major film coming out in the month of July. I, I, no one seems to understand why they haven't moved it. Clearly, New York City theaters, I mean, you heard Governor Cuomo today, Brandon. What did he say exactly? Oh, uh, gyms, uh, movie theaters, and malls are uh, responsible for a lot of COVID spread. And I believe he he moved movie theaters to phase four now, right? So there's virtually no chance in New York State that you're going to see any movies open. Which is also why for I think- For a the, very long time. You will see them open at the exact same time that you see uh, large concerts. Oh, I haven't is, seen a movie theater in New York State that looks as nice as the one you just had on either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one, those, the those one in Texas. Texas. Nice. In Plano, yeah, nice. in Plano oh. Texas. Yeah, I mean, for sure. But that also speaks to why SpongeBob, which was a movie dated for August, uh, Paramount decided, with Paramount Viacom, decided to shift it out of theaters and it's going to run only as a PVOD, so a premium video on demand, probably for $20. Nice. And then we'll just end up being right on to the new CBS All Access. We think it's going to be called Viacom CBS All Access, but name to be determined. That's going to launch sometime in early 21. And so we're just getting this sort of continued momentum towards studios sort of just not being comfortable. No matter how many times the movie theater companies keep saying their theaters are opening. We talked about it on last week's episode of AMC is going to be fully open in July. Uh, first of all, I don't think that's going to be true to Brandon's point, but the studios basically are just not comfortable putting movies out. And so it seems like everybody's gotten the message. Disney, as Brandon mentioned, is still the holdout on Mulan. I would assume sometime, maybe even before we publish this podcast, got to believe Disney's going to move that film into August, if not into September, just to be safe uh, and realistic right now. now Rich, and and with SpongeBob, I think it, it makes sense for PVOD. The test has already been done on Trolls, which is probably kids a, a kid's film, similar size, similar budget, so on and so forth. And it performed quite well, not just in the U.S., yep. but also internationally. So the groundwork's been laid for, for SpongeBob, and it'll probably do pretty well. How much are they going to charge for that movie? Do you, They've do been you doing think? $20 for most yeah. of the PVOD releases. And, and, and what's fascinating... For, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say what's fascinating is uh, they did it for $20. Warner Brothers did 20 to rent for 24, sorry, for 48 hours, but they did $25 if you wanted to own it immediately. So that was for Scoobed. And what was interesting is the, while there were people that spent the $25 to own Scoobed, what, what Universal saw is upwards of 10% of people bought the rental multiple times. And so since they didn't allow the purchase option, people spent $20 multiple times to see trolls. And so uh, the price point seems like it's pretty reasonable, uh, you know, especially when you so think about the cost of going to a movie theater. Um, and, and what is it? So if I waited for CBS Access, what do I have to pay for CBS Access? Because they don't really have anything else I would actually want. Look, CBS All Access right now is a $6 a month product. My guess is it's more expensive when it gets rebranded into whatever the new brand, we're going to call it Viacom CBS All Access with a lot more content and archives and 
you're going to see a new product, you know, come so I, January. Buy, so I could, so I could wait. How long do you think? 30 days from the premium to CBS yeah. access? 30 days. 30 days, save 15 bucks. And then do I, can I, do I ever get a shot at seeing that on uh, something I actually do have like um, Netflix or Hulu no. or HBO Max? Nothing. Okay. So that's how maybe CBS Axe can get me for a month for six bucks. Gotcha. Yep. And then try to get you to just watch something else, right? Like what? What do they got? Star Trek. I know you're a big Trekkie. No. Yeah, you're. And not and some all. really good procedurals. I know. What was the fan. Greg Yatana show, uh, Brandon? Twilight Zone. They rebooted the Twilight Zone on CBS All Access. Cool. I don't know how well that sounds did. great. Sounds like a great. Walt's a real um, sci-fi guy. I okay, am. Let's but go. Not on those programs. No, you're not. Let's go to the next slide. I mean, look that that thing that Apple's putting out, Foundation, is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, that does look good. And the trailer the was good. The Asimov show. Yeah, that were amazing. Yeah, that, it that, did look amazing. That trailer was pretty awesome. Look, Apple's got some really good content. It goes back to what we were talking about over the last couple of weeks. Like, they just need to market it better and kind of get you know get more content in aggregate, whether it's sports content like the NFL, whether it's library. They just need more, and the app has to get simplified because when you open up the Apple TV Plus app, it's not clear that it's just a subscription. There's so many things going on in there. I find it very, very confusing. It doesn't have the look and feel of a Netflix or even you know, of, of, an, uh, of a Hulu or Disney Yeah, there, there's something to be said about single purpose apps, right? And I, I think Amazon Prime Video is, is kind of jumbled and a tough user experience. I think the Agreed. Apple experience is tough and the single purpose apps are just much better. Yep, That's it. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's do some more Disney. Let's just let Rich, I mean, this is Rich, this is your part of the podcast. Why don't you just, why don't you just hammer Disney right now? You need let's, to figure out how hear. to roll in some audio in this as well. Like, you know, it's a small world after all or something. Oh, that like would that. be good. Why don't you sing that, for us? Walt? There might be a copyright <laughs> violation though. I wouldn't want, or, you know, uh, we want to get into trouble with royalties. But, but we won't if, if we sing. That's true. If you sing true. it, Brandon, you sing Small World, and I would actually pay you extra just for that. <laughs> Please don't start. Uh, screen all the songs. It's that they, that they a have. small no, no, world that song after is... all. It's a small, small <laughs> world. Amazing. Okay, let's, let's do it. So Disneyland delaying their opening. Uh, basically, not Disney proactively making the decision, but actually the government of California basically saying cases are growing too fast and basically urging Disney to delay because they're not going to grant reopening procedures. And so Disneyland in California not opening on July 17th. Right now, Disney World is still planning on opening up with previews for annual pass members on July 9th, which seems crazy given that what just happened this morning is that there were 9,000, almost 9,000 cases of COVID reported in Florida. I believe in the county where uh, Disney World is, they're now up to somewhere around 80% or 85% of ICU capacity. It seems increasingly unlikely that Disney World's actually going to open, despite what they say. But uh, the other thing to watch, which we should obviously mention, because we've talked about it on the podcast before, is that Universal Studios opened several weeks ago and is still open. And I think one of the big kind of signals is going to be, does the government say you just can't be open? And or does even Universal proactively shut down given what is happening in Florida? Because the numbers, we were talking about 3,000 cases a day just a week ago, and now we're up to 9,000 cases in a day. Seems sort of scary, Brandon. I know you're our resident COVID expert. 
<laughs> I, I <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Dr. Fauci's pretty pissed. What can I say? <laughs> um, no, look, it, it's it's getting it's getting scary again, right? Yep. It's it's just it's just that simple. It's dominating the headlines. I think yeah, that's look, the, the difference between California and Florida is pretty obvious. It's the governor in Florida. Sure. I was I was at an autonomous I, conference. I was trying not to get political. That's not it. It's stating facts. I, I was I was um, at an autonomous conference last year in Florida, and like their whole tagline is "Open for business, open for business." Open like that's that is um, you know that's what the governor and a lot of the politicians' mantra is there, and that's obviously very different than California now. The mantra the reason of the politicians, why... but the but the, here's the thing: the cases are still going up in California, no matter yeah, what the governor's saying. So there you have it. Not as rapidly as in Florida. Yeah, and I mean, we could get into the whole mask wearing thing. I think yeah. that's nah. just obvious. I, but, by the way, I got a softer mask, start so it's not that. as awful. I, I upgraded my mask to something that's a little softer. Um, so did it's you, not, did, I'm, I'm, I'm did you get as, a nice, does it have a nice print on it? it it's a design. Anything? It's not anything. It's, it's from my mother-in-law. So there's like flower designs or something like that. But um, <laughs> it is there's softer. floral designs. <laughs> well, I don't know what the designs are, but it's not. I have a Liverpool mask, but it's, it's not really that effective. Um, so falls down too much. What's next, Rich? Moving on. Well, the problem with Disney World, if it doesn't open, the question is, is if oh. Disney World actually doesn't open, can there be the NBA in Disney World? So that's Hell's one no. of the tweets here. We've got 6% of the 300 NBA players that were tested so far have COVID. Players are supposed to re start reporting next week down to Florida. We've got the Colorado Rockies with three cases. Baseball supposed to open up on July 23rd for opening day, reporting to camp next week. Dokovic for tennis has it, his wife, and I think I just heard his coach has it as well. <laughs> After throwing up a fundraising party. No, I'm not Djokovic. laughing at, uh, I'm my, not laughing oh, at the news. I'm laughing well, at the Rich, Rich, Rich cannot pronounce anything. <laughs> we, know, we know that. Um, <laughs> Pronunciation is yeah, not my strong suit. Look, <laughs> look with sports. First of all, congratulations to baseball on, on finally announcing a season when everyone's about to shut down. <laughs> Probably <laughs> their, their seasons. That's that's about what baseball is yeah, these classic. days, right? Yeah. Classic baseball. Yep. Um, a sixty-game season that I don't think too many people are going to want to watch. The whole. Baseball is all about the storybook in 162 games as it is. I think it's the 60-game mark last year. The champion, the the Washington Nationals, were like in last place with a losing record. So that's just not baseball. But I and, and what I, happens I, I in the tenth inning, Brandon? What happens in the tenth inning? It, oh, now in the tenth inning, you're going to start with a man on second base. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a traditionalist in baseball. I I think there were changes that needed to be made to speed the game up and bring it into modern times. But like, that's too much for me. Uh, but look, they're experimenting. So whatever. Um, Everything spiking. And, and I thought Florida was the location that they were trying to target hoops for. Yeah. So well, this is the, this is by the way, the best thing about baseball, the original plan to bring back baseball had baseball in three states, Arizona, Texas and Florida, which are current, <laughs> which are, which are currently the, the three biggest COVID hotspots in the country. And it probably, if things had started 
at, you know, according to the original plan would have happened right now. So whatever. Now the question is, is can basketball actually get, I mean, players are supposed to report. Do the players want to go? We've already seen everything. There was one player pulled out from silver. Uh, who did pull out on the Lakers? Uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank on his name. Yes, I'll think of it. Too. Okay. As long as it's not LeBron, because no. if LeBron says no, season's over. Folks. Avery Bradley. Avery, whatever. Um, <laughs> That's not uh, nice. Thanks, Mark. All right, let's go. What's next? Video games. Brandon, all you. All right, let's see which video. Oh, Mixer. Okay. Um, so Microsoft is shutting down um, Mixer and they're integrating it with Facebook gaming. And I think this is kind of a... Uh, Didn't Mixer of, launch a year ago? Yeah, Mixer. Okay, so let's give some background for those who don't know. Mixer um, really made a huge push into competing with Twitch and YouTube on game streaming and game related video content by paying Ninja and Shroud a lot of money, okay? So yep. they, they sort of set off this whole streaming wars in, in games land. And the bottom line is they just never got the scale uh, to, to compete with, with Twitch and YouTube. So they kind of set up a, the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation with Facebook. Um, I think if you look at the landscape for the future of games distribution, it seems that the, it's going to happen in the cloud. We know that at some point the cloud will be ready for it, really ready for it. Um, and there's going to be an integration of watching games and playing games. And if you look at the way Google is set up with Stadia and YouTube, there's kind of one-click access to go from watching game content to playing it. And Microsoft wanted to have the same thing, but Mixer didn't get there. So they align with Facebook, who has no real you know, game service to speak of. And they are going to try and port the audience over there. But the, and the, do some the, of the irony that Google is. But the irony, Brandon, is that I, I criticized or, or questioned Ninja for making the move, basically saying Ninja's taking the money and losing oh, yeah. all of his audience. It, yeah, and, this is a great move for Ninja because he got the money. Now he's a free agent. I think he rejected what, $60 million um, to move over to Facebook, and he's probably going to just wind up back on Twitch. So Did he lost any of his followership in the interim, or is he fine? Because that was that was the knock on. They're like, "Oh, you're going to take this money, and then you're going to lose all your followers." Has that happened? Do you think? I haven't looked at the numbers for him specifically recently. We'll see how he reengages when he goes wherever he's going, or has he already gone on he's, Twitch? He's he hasn't yet, but and everyone assumes he's either going to YouTube or to Twitch. One or, or the light other. Shed Live. Or Light Shed Live. <laughs> Uh, let's do Bundesliga doing a down deal. Uh, so Bundesliga sold its rights for 2017 to 2021 and rights fees went from 5.2 billion in the current contract down to 4.64 billion euros in the new contract. 
which is sort of the same we saw with um, Premier League. But, you know, Brendan, when we were talking about this, we sort of saw the Premier League as sort of like an anomaly. It, it feels less like an anomaly when it happens to a second league. Yeah, I think, and, and this is something we should think about for the future in, in the U.S. as maybe the cable networks start to have less available revenue at their disposal <laughs> due to cord cutting. You need the big platforms to come in and make competitive bids and they haven't been there yet. And now we're starting to see the effect on sports rights in Europe. And, and when you say big platforms, you mean big tech platforms to be big clear. Big tech platforms, yes. I'm talking about Facebooks, Apples, Netflix, who's never gonna do it, um, or Google YouTube. And the appetite to, to make big bets there just hasn't occurred yet. It's and just we, sort of we fascinating. Could get, we could get into a lot of discussion about this. What does it mean for, you know, the future of ESPN? Does it give ESPN a chance to, you know, take um, uh, plus over the top and fully over the, take ESPN fully over the top and add a whole bunch of content because there's not a lot of competitive bids and make that into a viable uh, OTT service. It's something we've discussed for uh, a very long time. Uh, what does it mean for the future of sports rights in general? Uh, we look at WWE, uh, when they come up for renewal, are they going to be able to, to get a further bump that's integral to the, you know, to that company's stock price? The problem is we're talking about the NFL selling rights in the next two months at a hundred percent plus increases. And it's yeah, like, sort yeah, of like, right. that's just, is there's it, such a disconnect, right? Like it's like crazy is, that we're is, talking about. Is this the final hurrah? Right. Right. Is it, well, and, and is every other, forget the, if maybe the NFL is an anomaly. Well, by the, the way, the ratings baseball, are just, baseball just did a deal, right? They did an extension and that was an up deal. I mean, off the AAV, it was up a lot. Obviously, we're, as, talk, as we're as talking Turner, Turner's yes, deal with Major League deal. Baseball. Yeah. And look, pl playoffs are different than regular season, to be fair. There's no doubt that playoffs have always been much higher rated and important. I just wonder whether, you know, is down the new normal for all sports other than football as we go through the next sound of renewals? Like NBA is 2025. Like if there isn't digital bidders, why is the contract not down? Uh, that's just what I'm, you know, it's hard not to think about that looking at what's happening in Europe. I know it could be. And Amazon's not like aggressively bidding. I mean, yeah, the zone came in and got one of the contracts. Like yeah, they're, they're there. They're there, but I mean, do they have the balance sheet <laughs> to really, to really bid? I don't think so. I think that's Funded. the problem. That's what worries me. Okay. Well, take us home on oh, SoftBank. Oh, SoftBank. Wonderful. So SoftBank um, effectively exited most of their shares of T-Mobile soon after the merger getting approved, um, raising $20 billion. Frankly, it was a good negotiation for them. Um, you know, they wanted this money or they, I don't want to say needed, but certainly they're, they're in the process of selling a lot of assets after some controversial losses like WeWork. And again, there's another tweet up here. We have it on this uh, wire card, although I think that was more um, direct executives than, than the company itself. But, but nevertheless, um, I would have thought DT would have been a, in a better um, situation to get more out of SoftBank, but look, DT, bottom line is probably didn't want to come up with $8 billion 
um, by April, which is when they would have needed to do it. So they don't have to put out the money, but still can continue to control um, T-Mobile USA. And um, now there's more liquidity for shareholders. So they dumped effectively $20 billion of stock in the market, priced it a couple of bucks in the hole, and the stock was up on the day. Phenomenal performance showing the interest in people looking for I guess 5G plays and maybe some growth opportunities for, for uh, T-Mobile. So now here we are, it's done. They're kind of clear that the dish deal should close on boost early next week and, and away we go. We're getting ready for the end of the year and, and the fight over 5G and, and see who can be the winners. T-Mobile, Verizon, Dish, maybe even the cable companies making a play. When, when do I get my, as a T-Mobile, very happy T-Mobile Magenta Plus subscriber, when am I getting 5G? Um, well, technically it's available now if you're willing to switch to an Android, Rich. Would you, yeah. would you go Android? He has one. So, I have an Android, has, but I, I have to switch to a different Android phone, correct? Yeah, but I think, you know, Apple's next iPhone is likely to have it. So you can upgrade there. We'll see if there's any performance differences for you. That's probably a discussion for a later time. But look, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty monumentous, monumentous. Is that monumental? I, monumental? I believe it's monumental. And do we know is, 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 is momentous? Apple? Momentous. Oh, uh, you you were you were taking <laughs> momentous and monumental and turning them into one word. I think I can do that. Though. That's monumentous. A new word. That's a new word. Monumentous. I think, I think you could yeah. do that. Okay. Well, okay. Do, do, do we know if we're getting? What? Do we know if we're getting new iPhones in, in September, like normal, or is it delayed? Do we know yet? No. Um, well, um, Tim Cook hasn't sent me that um, email yet about when <laughs> iPhones are coming out. Rich, um, every year since 2007, there's been an iPhone released in September and October. So I think it's probably reasonable to assume um, despite some of the limitations that they've had on the manufacturing. Some, some of the headwinds. You will see a product uh, uh, this fall. But, um, but look, T-Mobile is, is kind of the company of the week to, to dump again, $20 billion of stock, continue to perform. SoftBank cashes out. Now let's see what cost SoftBank's going to do with all this, all this cash, right? They couldn't raise money in a second vision fund. They've, they've maintained Rajiv Misra, who ran the first vision fund at the company, despite loads of controversy surrounding the guy. So now they have money. We'll see what happens. Are they going to buy their own stock? Are they going to pay down debt? Are they going to dump more cash into some of these losers that they've been investing in? Um, Masa 2.0. This is, I, I, have one, I have one word to end this thing. Good luck, SoftBank. Yeah. <laughs> You're out of control. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Later, everyone. Thank you for listening to episode 10. It's a small world, world after, after all. all. It's a small, small, small world. Small.